today we're continuing on, and you can be looking in your Bibles in Revelation on, we're down to the church of Sardis, and a lot of you are probably thinking, we've been here forever. Well, uh, I'm the only one preaching on this, so when we have guests, they haven't been necessarily, and so that's why we're still there. But this is the fifth church Jesus talks about. But, but what we see here is, there, when we get into the reading, we're going to be reading from Revelation 3, 1 through 6, and I'll be out of the New King James Version, but there's two types of people here. And there's the sleeping and the faithful. And, and that's what I want to encourage you. You know, the scripture to, or the bulletin says alive. Uh, if you look in your Bibles and a lot of the studies, commentaries, when it's talking about the church of Sardis, it's saying the dead church. Whereas that, that I keep reiterating, Christ is going after the church in the book of Revelation. He's trying to reveal to them things that are going on in their life because he wants to bring them alive again. And so these are positive things. And, and as we look over these, we're seeing that, that they're the th- same things that's going on in the church today, in the church world today. And to date, anything we've talked about that's gone on in the first four churches and then this one, we're dealing with in society today, Satan hadn't changed his tactic. And so Christ is here today to, to encourage us as a church body to be alive in Christ and be alive in the things of God. And he's going to show us how to do that through this scripture today. And so that's the two main points today. Are you sleeping or are you faithful? And that's what we're going to be addressing. But again, Revelation 3, 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars, who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. That you have that uh, name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful. Now, I love the ESV version and normally use that. But the Greek that I'm studying and and all the stuff I'm studying comes out of the King James or New King James is why I'm reading the King James today. But, But ESV says, wake up. Wake up. And so be watchful. And that's the message Christ is saying to the church. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I come upon you. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." So again, and I've said this most every week, but I want us to get a hold of this. God is coming to the church and he's coming through the church by his Holy Spirit, uh, through Jesus to the, the, the pastor here, the angel of the church of Sardis. And we know, and we talked about here that this means a human messenger or angel, one sent on a special mission, one dispatched to perform and, and a special assignment. A delegate or dignitary, the role of a pastor, a messenger. And so the, the Lord's speaking through the pastor to tell the church, and you are the church, and it means a called out, separated, prestigious assembly. 
A prestigious assembly of distinguished citizens who determine law, debate public policy, formulate new policies, argue and rule in judiciary matters, elect the chief magistrates, and decide who should be banished. And so we've been really emphasizing those two things each week, that, that the church, we're called out to represent Christ in our communities, in the spiritual world, in the physical world. On the slide behind you that we just had up with the, that, that definition of what that means, you see a bunch of people sitting around a table. Uh, yesterday we had the work day. And, and I, I know we had 30 people, I think up to 33, 34, that come out for the work day yesterday. That's part of the church. They come out to, to clean it, to, to make it beautiful, to make it nice for the people that are coming in and to represent Christ through just the, the physical part. And that's a part of a lot of things the church is called to do. Now, we're going to get into more of that later on, and we're going to talk more about that later. But again, it just excites me to realize that Sardis, God, noticed in that area that Satan had a foothold in the Sardis community. And by his Holy Spirit, he anointed Paul to go in there and plant a church at the gates of hell to minister to the people in that community. In turn, God has set Oakton up where we're at in this area, in this community, and he's put you in here, me in here as a pastor. He set us up, raised us up to minister to, to the people in this, this area. And, and the gates of hell are trying to take this area, and God has established us to keep that from happening. Man, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? We're called, the church is called out to do the things of God. And so what we see, Jesus is going around and he's kind of talking to these churches and saying, you know, you guys are awesome, but you need to work on these things. And so that's what's going on through the book of Revelation. He's saying, man, you're nailing it here. Next week, Church of Philadelphia, they're nailing it all together. But he's saying, where they're doing some good, but where some, they need to work on some areas. And so about Sardis, the background a little bit. Uh, Sardis was located on the banks of the uh, Pacius River, or, or Paxius River, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. But it was 60 miles inland from Ephesus and Smyrna. And you can see the map behind me and kind of give you an idea of, of where it was located. Sardis was built and was fortified on a hill. Uh, this this building was just unbelievable. Uh, it was uh, on a hill. The enemy couldn't touch them. They were They were just in a strategic location like you wouldn't believe. Now, I can't show you a picture of that because it's not here any longer. But, but Lord, when I was praying about it, he told me to put up a castle that I went to in Germany. And we want to flip that up. We can. But when I went to, to Albania a couple, I think it was 2018, we came back through Germany. And, and uh, um, a couple of them, we all went up into this uh, castle here. And a lot of you may notice this castle because a lot of people think that's where Walt Disney got his idea of the castle. But this is a legit castle in Germany. It's right on the border there, and it's almost in Australia. Austria. But this is a beautiful facility. I'm sitting on a bridge. Take, I took this picture, and this place is unbelievable. And you look, how did they even build it there? How in the world did they even get the stones up there? And just think about it. This place... Nobody could touch that king there or that person there. It was so protected by the surroundings. If you go to the next slide, this is me at the bottom of it. 
taking a picture up it. So after you go up a, a huge mountain, you're already wore out. And you're up the top of this mountain, and now you got to get inside this facility. And, and there's just no way that you're going to break into that. I mean, I wouldn't even have the energy to even crawl up that next little bit to get in that. And so we see how fortified Sardis was and how strategically located that they were. They were almost impossible to overtake, to overcome. But what happened to Sardis, and you can leave that up there for a while if you want. It's no big deal, that picture. Uh, and it, became, it was destroyed eventually. But the people became overconfident and began to neglect the care of the foundation. So we all know it when, when the, the weather gets on, the, you know, the cracks begin to get into the foundation. And we see when the weather and the elements and begin to work them cracks, they begin to spread out. And if you don't do something about it, they're going to keep spreading out. Well, the church of Sardis, or the, the town of Sardis was so confident in who they were that they neglected the cracks. And these cracks got a little bit wider and a little bit wider, and then the enemy started noticing the cracks. So the enemy went in and started working out the cracks and digging at the cracks. And, and the sad thing is they saw it going on. They knew it, but they were above everybody. Nobody's touched me to this point. Nobody's ever going to affect me. I've got it going on. They were overconfident, and they kept allowing this to go on to the point that, that they the people had got the holes big enough that they could get in the cracks, and they would crawl up from the inside and what the, the history is, says, and some commentaries I read said that the people of Sardis woke up, get that, woke up in the morning, surrounded. In other words, the enemy was inside. They were at the, the gates. They were outside their homes. They were strategically located. When the people woke up, they couldn't do anything about it. They were caught. And that's what happened to Sardis. And it was destroyed. The slide number nine is what it looks like today. And, you know, you can't even, you can see the high mountain area. You can see where it once stood. But guys, this is what happened to Sardis. But in turn, it happened to the church of Sardis as well. Jesus said, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Again, Paul had, had come in and set up this church in there. Man, they were full of the Holy... Do you really understand that? To start a church, that means there's nobody there. Paul sees this vision, and he sends somebody in there, and they minister, and they build a church from zero. And they build it so big that they were able to build a physical church. So they had to have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, people getting saved, people getting set free, people getting delivered, you name it. The move of God was going on. They were alive and well and they were, things were so awesome, they became overconfident as well. And they too spiritually began to get scrack, cracks in their armor. And, and, and they would allow different things into their life. They begin to allow compromise or whatever it may be to the point that the enemy wormed his way in. And once they woke up, they were already taken over. They were, they were at a bad place. And they were spiritually dead as Jesus said it. So we see that Satan worked on their foundation and they ignored it. 
They neglected the word. They neglected prayer. And the reason I say that is, is that so many times we, we're going to talk about it more later, but we don't think word and prayer matters when that's the main thing. That's the most important thing is prayer and word in that relationship. But that didn't become as important. They began to ignore that. The things that made them strong, they began to neglect. The relationship in the church. You know, so many times I see it that in the church, and I think it could have happened then, but, but people are on fire for God. There's a move of the Spirit going on. Man, they're gung-ho to serve, 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 serve. But as the enemy begins to cr- get in there and them cracks begin to open, well, I don't want to serve anymore. Then it gets into, you know, I don't want to, you know, it'll feel like praying as much. And, you know, I don't need to go to services now. I don't need to go every week. And they continue to allow the compromise to come in to where they stop being even consistent on Sunday mornings or their days of worship. And maybe even gone to another church. But we see the decay of the church going on. Through that, they embrace sin. And we've talked about the sin through the other four churches that was rampant back then. And it's the same things that we battle today. But Jesus was warning them. And he was warning them of physical death and spiritual death. Therefore, if you will not watch, wake up. I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I'll come. And what Jesus was saying to him is, is you're going to be like the, the, the village. I'm going to come back and you're so spiritually dead. You're going to be, I'm going to be gone. The people of God are be gone and there you're going to be. And he was warning them, hey, wake up. The same message is for the church today. I see it all around. The church world needs to wake up. We need to be watchful. And so as we started today, Paul was talking about two types of people in the church, the sleeping and the faithful. So let's talk about the sleeping first today. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 uh, 12 and 13, we quote this scripture a lot of times that when we're going through a difficult time that, that God won't put on me more than I can handle, but if he does, he'll give me a way out. He's faithful, and that's great. We need to stand on that. But the first part of that is the overconfidence that we can get as believers that we think it's us that gets everything done when it's Jesus Christ that accomplishes everything in us. And that how we depend on Jesus above all things. We depend on the blood. When, when the world tells us we're dying, then we can plead the blood over it and be healed. When the world says you can't be delivered, we plead the blood over it and we can be delivered. You see, we depend on Jesus and the blood. But 1 Corinthians ten twelve says, If anyone has the opinion of himself that he is standing strong and firm, he needs to be continually watchful. And always on his guard, lest he trip, stumble, and fall from his overconfident position and take a nosedive downward to a serious crash. That's verse 12. Then verse 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what are going on in other people's lives. So we need to always examine ourselves to make sure that we're not sleeping. That, that we're still serving Christ the, the, the day, the, the, the first day that we started serving, that we're the same intensity, the same love. Are we, are we serving him the same today? Do we love Christ the way we did in the beginning? Do we love the word the way we do in the beginning? See, these steps of decay, they can come in and trap us. Uh, I went ahead and shared this the first service, but 
But uh, when I, and, and sorry, dad and mom, if I embarrass you, but, but when I moved into mom and dad's house, years, it's, I think it's been seven to 10 years ago, but, but in the bathroom, there's a little spot around the toilet there. And, and I knew by looking at that, that it was getting, water was leaking out under the toilet. Now, if I'm not, I need to be professional, commode or pot, or I call it the throne, but, but either way, the water was leaking out there. And we both, I knew it, I knew it was water, but I thought I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll get to that later. And over time, this has widened out and mom even come in, you know, that's, that's really getting wide there. And they've talked to me about it. Yeah, I know that. I'm aware of this, the decay, but I'll get to it. I'm busy right now. Man, I'm a pastor and I'm working in the church. Look at all these great things that I'm doing, man. Look, we can't ever have time for this. Well, I finally decided to take a look at it yesterday because it had gotten this big. <laughs> and I cut back and I looked in there. I guess it was Friday. And you know the first words out of my mouth? God, why'd you do this to me? Why did you allow this? Why didn't you help me out? And he's like, I told you about it 10 years ago. You've allowed the decay into your life, and that's the result of it. And that's what happens to us so many times as Christians. We get overconfident because of the awesome things that are going on, the great things that are going on around us. And we get, well, maybe I don't need to pray as much. Maybe I don't need to read my word as much. You know what? I can skip and I love the Vikings. I'll go to their games more often. I don't have to go on Sunday every week. You know, we just begin to allow that to open up. And then we quit doing the things of God and quit applying them. And then when that rot gets in there and we finally decide to deal with it, we lose something. Some people's lost a spouse because God put it on their heart to treat them different. Some people's lost a child or whatever, physically or spiritually, when the Lord has told us all the way through, deal with this. Deal with this. Wake up. You see where I'm heading here today? When we allow these cracks in there, this decay in there, it can, it can tear you up. So what's Christ tell us to do? He tells us, you know, hey, we need to trust Jesus. And again, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and God is faithful. He will not allow temptation to be more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure it. I believe these things, but we got to go to him. And, and how do we do that? What Paul was, or Jesus was telling the church here, and he was telling through John is remember Jesus. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. And hold firmly and then repent and turn to me again. And it's the simplicity of things. Just remember your salvation. Remember the day you were saved. Remember your calling. Remember the promises I have for you in all your situations. And then repent and say, Father, I'm sorry. And repent means to stop doing what you're doing and go back to Jesus. That was Jesus' answer to them. Why? Because no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. And then the prayer and word thing I was talking about earlier, guys. This is so important, this prayer and word. Uh, I was listening to a guy preach this last week, and he made a comment that it's been proven that Paul had walked over 10,000 miles. It's been proven. And he made a comment that, that we think all that Paul did was preach and get abused and, and all these horrible things that happened to him uh, and, and then all these good things that happened to him. We think that was his whole life. 
They're saying he walked two-thirds of his life. That was only a third of it. And what did Paul do during that third or that two-thirds time? He prayed every step of the way. Paul was a man of prayer. And, and guys, get this in there. We need to be a people of prayer. You know, the Word of God, and you can go into there and you can read it in Acts. Paul walked through Syria and, and Thessalonica in Acts 15. Paul walked back from Derby. Paul walked, walked to Lystra. Paul liked to walk to Pyrithia. Paul walked to Galatia. Paul was like Forrest Gump, man. He just was everywhere. He was going. He was going all over the place. He walked to Ephesus. And I'm not even counting the ships and the rides he took. The, he had three missionary journeys. And we hear the stories about the missionary journeys. But he preached occasionally. In other words, he prayed all the time, walked all the time, and preached on a lot of occasions. That's how he won so many people to God. He prayed all the time, but he five times he received 40 stripes, save one. You notice he probably couldn't have gone through those 39 stripes without being a man of prayer. Paul was a praying man. He prayed all the time and robbers tormented him, abused him. All these horrible things that happened to him, he got through it because he is a praying man. And then that scripture we always say, Paul just throws out there, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Because when Paul was walking, he was praying. He was seeking God. And we need to be people of prayer. This, these five-minute prayers, guys, they're not going to cut it. I'm not trying to be smart today, but, oh, bless, bless mom. You know, half time when people call you and ask you to pray, do you even pray? Seriously. I got in that rut one time. I'd read the prayer chain and then find out I didn't even pray for them. And God convicted me of that a couple years ago. People ask you to pray. Do you pray? We need to be a people of prayer. That needs to be number one in our life. And prayer is the most important thing. And you should be spending 90% of all the, just praying, including God in your walk. I tried to do this Wednesday. I tried to be like Paul everywhere I went, tried to, to just God's with me all the time. Christ's with me all the time. But to include him and pray all the time, it's tough. It's tough. Instead of worrying about something, to pray about it. And spend all that time praying instead of all the time worrying. But we need to be a people of prayer. And then the word, Jim nailed that last week. And I'm not going to get into that much today. Listen to a sermon last week. But Jesus himself said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You want to know God? Read the word. So today I'm talking to you about how Jesus was pursuing the sleeping and that he really does care for the sleeping. That God loves people and people so much that we can't comprehend it. I'll never forget a family that I'd been working on and I was so excited that, that, that they came and they walked through them doors one Sunday and I was standing there and I made a beeline to them. I was like, y'all right, I got them, you know, and I was all celebrating. Five couples went up and, and, and talked to them before I got there that the Lord had been using to minister to them. The Lord uses us to minister to people. He loves them and he's pursuing the sleeping. Two, the faithful. To the faithful, you are experiencing a move of God in your life. And we see that in the story Jesus is talking about. Man, you're going to walk the streets of gold. Man, you're experiencing the greatest things of God. Remington preached Wednesday night, uh, Lehman, down in the youth room. Man, we need to get our kids and youth people. 
But Remington preached an unbelievable sermon how that we can have peace during the storms. That how the people of God, when they're faithful, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We can be at peace. And it's powerful. And, it, and that's what the faithful are. We're at peace no matter what's going on around us. But the faithful, they're at peace. We're at peace. But we're walking with a great anointing. We're seeing people saved. We're seeing people set free. That's the faithful. The church. We sang about it today. I had Jim go get the lyrics there. But the church, come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. This is a faithful prayer. Increase in us, we pray, and feel why we're made. Come set your hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst, refusing to waste our lives for your, your, or our joy and prize. To see the captive's hearts released, the hurt and sick and the poor at peace, we lay down our lives for heaven. We are your church. We pray revive this earth. That's the prayer of the faithful. We sing about it and we get excited about it every Sunday. We are the church. Are we looking for other opportunities to lead others to Christ? Opportunities Thursday night, the hallelujah night, we, we shared to over 500 people were fed physically the other night. And we're able to minister to them. Man, that flow was so awesome the other night. Usually it comes in a leap and a bound and a bunch. I think I've ministered with more people that year than any year because it was just steady the whole night. But we have opportunities to be the church. Are we faithful in who we are? Today I push this fall fest because I see how hurt and hungry people are. They need the church. And what happens so many times, we go our own ways when we could come out to this fall fest and, and be a core, a strong core that could get even stronger and stand together. It's fellowship. People are dying for fellowship with each other and fellowship with God. Literally, they're dying for it. That's why I push the fall fest. That's why I push church. That's why I push the young adult groups, the children's, all these things, because we need each other, the church. Faithful. Are we faithful? Are we the church? So many times we think, and I'll close with this if the praise team wants to come forward, but we don't think that people want to be ministered to. We're scared to minister to people, and, and I know we're faithful, but, but the world is teaching us to keep our mouth shut when we need to be louder than ever. And, and my wife blessed me this last week. I wasn't here. Because she took me to, it's our 30th wedding, 30th, I need to slow down because I'm getting pumped. But our 30th wedding anniversary is November the 11th. And she wanted to do something nice for me. And she bought us tickets to the Thursday night Minnesota game. Man, we got on the field, all that great stuff. Go look at my Facebook or come talk to me. I'll show you all kinds of pictures. Wonderful time. But we were going home. And we got to the airport in Minneapolis, there in St. Paul Airport. And, and they started calling the plane to get on the plane. And Karen had went to do something, and she's late, and I'm texting her, Hey, we're leaving, we're leaving. Wake up, wake up, we're leaving. You know, and I'm getting nervous. Uh, Karen likes to put gray hairs on my head, and she likes to come in at the last second. And I've been with some people on mission trips the same way. No mentioning any names. Uh, but I'm not looking at anybody. But uh, anyhow, 
we were almost the last ones to board. And I looked down and there's a guy in a chair crashed. He's sound asleep. They've called once. They've called the second time. And I think me and Karen were it. And he was sound asleep there. And I walked over and I thought, man, I know he's on this flight. Why is he laying here? But he's not getting up. And he's not hearing. He needs to wake up. And so I went over and said, hey, the plane's leaving. Hey. And I think, why are you whispering? He didn't wake up. He just kept snoring away. Finally, I go, hey, the plane's leaving, sir. Are you on this flight? He wouldn't wake up. You know what I did? Seriously. I kicked his foot, and he woke up. And I go, sir, I think the plane's leaving. Are you on this flight? He jumped up out of there, and he got in my face, and he said, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. And he started to hit me, and I backed up. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. You know what he did? Oh, thank you. And he grabbed a hold of me and thanked me and thanked me. We had a talk like you wouldn't believe. And I'm like, let's get on the plane, you know. And, and the plane was full. And anyway, we were getting on there, and this guy wouldn't shut up. If you've been with me at the airport, you can't hardly get people to talk to you now. Headphones in, straight ahead. Man, he's a professor at KU. He was a math professor on that. But what really got him? I said, yeah, I've never had algebra. I may have a hard time talking to you. He's just looking at me like, you have never had algebra? He goes, how did you get to where you're at without algebra? I don't know, but I haven't. And that was our conference. I mean, we were talking and we had a time. But he wanted woke up. But the world is trying to tell us that the faithful, that, that we can't bother people, we can't wake people up. And, and that's where the Lord really hit me. And listen to what I'm getting ready to say. Because uh, he hit me, we will send our children, to knock on doors of our family, our friends, our neighbors, and even strangers to get candy once a year. But we're too scared to go up to the same people and knock on their doors and say, do you believe in Jesus? To go up to our neighbor and say, hey, do you want to come to church? To walk up to our neighbor and, and our family, all of them that are close, and tell them the message of Jesus Christ. And even strangers were scared to knock on the stranger's door and tell them about Jesus, but yet we'll send our kids there and get candy. Don't make a lot of sense. Because when you lead somebody to Jesus Christ and you wake them up, they're going to be like this guy was that was getting ready to miss the plane. They're going to want all you got because they need it. And they don't want you to pour into them. I've never had somebody, I'm not saying I've never, I've got people who got my face for witnessing to them. But 90% of the time they're thanking you, especially if you get to the point you pray for them. Even if you don't lead them to Christ, just praying for them. So guys, we need to be faithful or we can be sleeping. And that's the altar call today. As the praise team singing the song today, I want us all to examine ourselves. Are we sleeping? Are we tired of the rat race, the emptiness, the fight? Then simply give it to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, stop and remember who you are. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, today's the day. But you got to repent. And repent means to stop doing what you're doing, stop going in the direction you're going, and turn around and follow Jesus. Read your word, pray, 
faithful. Man, continue to be excited for living for Christ. Man, me and Jim were talking about it earlier that Paul, and I may be stealing his thunder. He may be preaching on this, so I'm not going to say a lot. But he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And we are leaders. You can follow Jim and me and people in this church by their fruits and being like them. In other words, we should be so close to Christ that we're drawing people. The faithful, that's you, the faithful. And, and let Christ flow through you and into people around you. But the gauge is, are you ready for Jesus to come back today? Are you ready? If Jesus would come in here today, the altars are open today. If you need prayer about anything, if you need prayer for healing, deliverance, whatever, let's come pray for that. But I challenge you in your seat somewhere up here, pray about are you sleeping or are you awake? Because what I really want to spend a lot of time on right now is the Lord's really showing me the Christian world, a lot of people are delusional. They don't even know they're doing wrong. They don't have a clue. And I want to spend some time on that, but I haven't had a chance to really do it. But guys, we are afraid of people because they don't agree with us when they're, a lot of times they're just confused, they're delusional. And we need to speak the word into them and bring that refreshing to them. So pray for those people. But we need to be a people of prayer. And Oakton will never be what God wants it to be unless we're praying two-thirds of what we need to be praying. I mean, we need to be praying lots more, guys. And I'm not knocking anybody. I'm talking to myself. We need to be a people of prayer, and we need to know the word inside out because there's a people out there that needs us more than anything. Amen? Amen. We stand to our feet today, and again, examine your hearts. Are you saved today? Because God's alive and real. I told you several examples of the Holy Ghost moving, and he's moving in your lives today. I don't know about you guys, but that touched me because I need to be more speak more bold to speak the truth to people and to let them know about God's love. So I just pray as we go out that we'll each do that and serve our purpose. Father, you are good. We know that you love us. And we just uh, pray as we go out of here that we will do your mission to tell others about you and about your love and about the hope that we have in you. Lord, just bless each one in this building as they go out and uh, help us to fill your, fulfill your purpose. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.